Welcome to the Kol Hadash Humanistic Congregation podcast. Holy Dre, the hauntingly beautiful music, implores us to introspection. Rabbi Shalom's Kol Nidre sermon challenges us to consider beauty and what is beautiful. Two Jewish approaches to beauty. First, 2,000 years ago, Rabbi Yaakov said, if one is walking on the path and studying rabbinic law, and he stops his study and says, how pleasant is this tree? How beautiful is this field? Scripture counts it as if he were guilty against his soul. And second, 150 years ago, the poet Micah Levinson wrote, Achi Adam, my people is humanity. Artsi Olam, my land is the world. Dati Yofi, my religion is beauty. What is more boring than talking about beauty? Beauty is beyond words. Art galleries are quiet places, these days even quieter than libraries. A deep experience of beauty shuts you up. What I really should do, instead of talking, is pull down a big screen, turn on the PowerPoint presentation, and have Lois play beautiful music as we appreciate beauty. But I won't. I'm not the first person to talk about beauty. An entire field of philosophy, aesthetics, is dedicated to the rational study of what is beautiful. Just as interesting to us as the question of what is beautiful is a deeper question. Why do we need beauty at all? This High Holidays, we seek what we really need, not what we want, not what we think we need, not what advertisers and popular culture and peer pressure have convinced us that we need, but what we really need. We all know the easy three of food, clothing, and shelter. One person joked when I told him the topic of what do we really need, his answer was money. But what we need are beyond the basic necessities to stay alive. What does it take to feel alive, to experience the best of life? On Rosh Hashanah evening, we explored our need for purpose. And Rosh Hashanah morning, we found that a life without joy is a life without color. Tonight, I want us to consider what seems a luxury, our need for beauty. After all, a sunset provides no shelter. A painting feeds no one. There's a reason they call them starving artists. When I first visited the Basilica of St. Peter in Vatican City, the largest church in the world that holds 60,000 people, a lavish, ornate, gigantic, truly beautiful palace of marble and gold, three thoughts occurred to me. First, wow. Second, building fund. And third, Martin Luther had a point. St. Peter's Basilica took over 100 years 
and over $50 million to build in the 16th century. It's absolutely beautiful. But how many thousands of lives could have been improved? How many public works and good deeds could have been performed with all that effort and all that money? In fact, St. Peter's cost so much to build that to pay for it, the church invented the practice of selling indulgences, literally buying your way out of hell. And thus, Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. Now, during my visit, I did take my own small step to redressing the balance. In the middle of the main nave of the church, there is a shaft of light that comes down from the ceiling. It was a sunny day, and there was a beautiful bright light shining right on a spot on the floor. And so I said to my then fiancé, now wife, I'm going to go stand in that shaft of light, and when I count to three, when I get to three, I want you to snap the picture right on three. So I went and stood in the shaft of light, and I said, one, two, three. The picture came out perfectly. After all, what good does it do for a pope or for a religion or, for that matter, for an artificionado if they gain beauty but they lose their own soul? We can see why Rabbi Yaakov said that appreciating a beautiful tree can be guilt against your soul. If we pursue beauty for its own sake, above and beyond all other values, our need for beauty can become immoral in its self-absorption. But to negate the pursuit of beauty entirely is also a mistake. The alternative extreme is the drab leveling of communism, which at its heart had a moral aesthetic theory. Let all basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter be met for everyone before luxuries like beauty for beauty's sake. A few glances at Soviet aesthetics will tell you how successfully we're getting around to part two. Blah. Now, beauty in its essence is neither extraneous nor bourgeois. It is part of the matrix of human experience. You see, our quest for beauty is not a distraction from curing diseases or earning a living. Beauty is an essential human need. Life has plenty of unglamorous, ugly moments. Four years of dirty diapers is proof enough. But enjoying beautiful violin music at Ravinia or this evening with my son who would have yelled out, Violin! Violin! That pays the bill. Private art collection is for those with means. Beauty is available to anyone who can afford to watch the sunrise over Lake Michigan or hear a Mozart aria on the radio. Our pursuit of beauty is not isolating, retreating to a mountaintop to find enlightenment alone. Our pursuit of beauty connects us ever more deeply with the world around us and with the people around us. A museum is half as much fun without someone else to appreciate, to argue, to reflect. Labinson's poem gets to the heart of the matter. Achi Adam, my people is humanity. Artsi Olam, my land is the world. Dati Yofi, my religion is beauty. We each come from a particular family, a particular culture, a particular place, each with their particular aesthetics. Music in one culture is noise to another. Even within one family, my music sounded like noise to my parents, as my children's music will surely give me a headache. It's a tradition from generation to generation. 
But all of us are human. All of us live in this one world, and each of us needs beauty. There are universal human appreciations and universal aversions, but our personal sense of beauty is the meeting point of our humanity, our particular culture, and our individual taste. In European caves, there are hundreds of prehistoric paintings of animals and humans. But my favorite is a very simple image from southeast France, over 30,000 years old. Some person 30,000 years ago took some paint in a tube, put one of their hands on the wall, and blew. (laughs) And what was left on the wall was an outline of their hand surrounded by color. The first artist's signature. A statement not just that I was here, but that I was here to create. Scientists today are studying these hand images to discover if the artists were men or women, how old they might have been. But the beauty of that image, that moment of is captured in time. Did this creation 30,000 years ago have any survival value? Did it put any food around the fire? No food value. But for the survival of our humanity, yes. Achi Adam. My people is humanity. Ethics and aesthetics are related. The American philosopher John Dewey once pointed out that we use the same word, fair, for both something even-handed and something attractive, fair judgment and fair appearance. We speak of certain actions as beautiful gestures, generosity, kindness, respect, When a person goes out of their way to help a stranger with no prospect of return, we react as if we've seen beauty in behavior. And one reason these actions are beautiful is that they go beyond our personal connections, not just Achi, my brother, but Achi Adam, my brother, is humanity. Helping your child succeed is not high-level ethics. We are genetically conditioned to help our family. Our siblings share half of our DNA and our Cousins share approximately one-eighth of our DNA. But ethics is not just about saving the maximum number of our genes. One geneticist was asked once if he would give his life to save a drowning brother. And he answered, no, but I would give my life to save two brothers or eight cousins. (laughs) Beautiful ethics go beyond that. Consider adoption. No genes to pass on, only love and affection and nurturing. Perhaps deep down there is a crude genetic calculus to us helping our children. But what about the care and love we give to our parents when they need us, as we once needed them? That doesn't help our genes live on into the future. But it does help us feel uplifted, living beautifully in our own imperfect way. There is a terrible beauty when you see life partners caring for each other through dementia and decline, proving that they are true to their words and their feelings. Our pursuit of beauty can tune our ethical sense, seeking beauty in actions, not just in museums, but only if we keep our eyes open to the world around us. After all, the Torah contains some wonderful ethics, as long as you are not a slave or one of the Canaanite groups slated for destruction. 
The Bible describes beautifully tolerant ethics for the gear, the stranger who resides in your land. Not oppressed the stranger because you were strangers in Egypt. On the other hand, early rabbis understood the term gear to mean convert to Judaism, taking a universal ethic of the stranger and making it more parochial about the in-group. The key ethical question sometimes is not, am I my brother's keeper? But rather, who is my brother? Achi Adam, humanity is my brother, even as Dati Yofi, my religion, is beauty. Achi Adam, humanity is my brother, and Artsi Olam, my land, is the world. In the Talmud it says, Ten measures of beauty descended to the world, Jerusalem took nine. But I know from my own experience that, yes, Jerusalem is beautiful, but so too in its own way is New York City and Rome and even St. Peter's. There is even a striking beauty about the ocean between here and Jerusalem, which shows no sign of human civilization on its surface. John F. Kennedy once said, I really don't know why it is that all of us are so committed to the sea, except I think it's because in addition to the fact that the sea changes, and the light changes and the ships change, it's because we all came from the sea. And it is an interesting biological fact that all of us have in our veins the exact same percentage of salt in our blood that exists in the ocean. And therefore we have salt in our blood, in our sweat, in our tears. We are tied to the ocean. And when we go back to the sea, whether it is to sail or to watch it, we are going back from whence we came. We look at the world around us and find tremendous beauty. But the world is not beautiful in and of itself. We call it beautiful. I want to share with you a selection from a fantastic essay entitled Art and Nature, Beauty and Spirituality, written by none other than our own Rabbi Emeritus, Daniel Friedman. Outside of our minds... A rainbow is no more beautiful than a pile of dirt. A sunrise, a flower, a mountain is beautiful only to human beings and only because human beings have decided that such things are beautiful. The feelings that beauty evokes in us, serenity, wonder, appreciation, elation, come entirely from within us. Our sense of beauty is an essential part of being human. And humanity has found beauty in nature throughout our existence, from those cave paintings to our wonder and appreciation of the natural world. Sometimes it is scale and power that are awe-inspiring, the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls. Sometimes it is the rare and unusual, a brilliant blaze of color that catches our eye. It could be a huge harvest moon on a clear night, or the quick and quiet rush and flow of waves upon a lakeshore as the sun sets. We understand the rotations of moon and earth, the shifting of tectonic plates, the battles of evolution that led to these beauties. John Keats feared that science would unweave a rainbow, but our knowledge of how this beauty came to be enriches our appreciation on new levels. Reading the musical score and studying the life of the composer deepens our experience of hearing the symphony. Early Jewish tradition feared the attractions of nature, 
and the possibilities of nature worship. They turned harvest holidays and fertility festivals into theological events. Yom Kippur was just before the rainy season, when life and death were indeed in the balance, not from cosmic judgment, but from harvest or famine. Thus the warning that if one stops his study and says, how pleasant is this tree, he is guilty against his soul. And yet, even that ideology and centuries of urban living could not break the tie between the Jewish people and the natural world. Our months and our holidays are still tied to the moon and to the seasons. Every new moon is a new Jewish month. Just as the English word month comes from moon, so too does the Hebrew chodesh, month, come from chadash, or new. Every full moon is the 15th day of a Jewish month. It is no accident that the fall harvest holiday of Sukkot and the winter festival of Tu Bishvat and the spring harvest of Passover and the Jewish carnival of Purim all begin under a full moon on the 15th of the month. Experiencing the beauty of the natural world is a universal human experience, a true and natural religion. At the next full moon, which marks the beginning of Sukkot, look at the moon and consider that this is the same moon that your ancestors saw and the same moon seen by all people all over the world. Now, I've gone on a bit about the beauty of the moon, and you can go too far. You may recall the story of the wise men of Helm, who once debated which was more important, the sun or the moon. And they concluded that the moon was more important because the sun is out during the day when it's bright and the moon is out at night when you need it. Achi Adam, my people is humanity. Artsi Olam, my land is the world. Dati Yofi, my religion is beauty. What does it mean to say, my religion is beauty? Try to find the same taste in music in one household, let alone in one congregation, or even in one choir of one congregation. We are sometimes told that historically Jews were verbally but not visually creative, living in the world of the word without art. But it is just not true. Read the detailed descriptions in the Bible of the artistry of the Ark of the Covenant and the Jerusalem Temple. See the images from ancient synagogues of beautiful mosaics and paintings of Bible scenes and even the Greek zodiac in synagogues. Experience the beautiful objects of Jewish ritual life from Kiddush cups to Torah covers. From the moment Kol Nidre was first written, rabbis have tried to eliminate it. The concept of canceling vows is problematic. It's foolish, perhaps even dangerous if others will not trust us. But that melody, those melodies that are attached to it, they're so marvelous that Kol Nidre won and the rabbis lost. Judaism without beauty would be inhuman because humanity needs beauty. It takes us beyond our ordinary experience, opens our minds to new possibilities. Beauty is our spirituality, not connecting with the spirit world, but uplifting the human spirit. And we find beauty in our culture and in all cultures. Achi Adam, my people is humanity. Artsi Olam, my land is the world. Dati Yofi, my religion is beauty.
Beauty takes us beyond survival to the vibrancy of truly living. Beauty connects us to other people and to the world around us. Beauty reveals the history and the heights of human creativity and ethics. Beauty silences words and opens up living experience. I hope you see why I want to get beyond basic human needs. If I sketched for you a life without purpose, a life without joy, a life without beauty, it would be a sad and dreary picture. What we need above all is a way to manage these and a thousand other priorities, a way to get our footing and find perspective, a sense of balance to which we turn tomorrow morning. Between now and then, I ask you to consider three simple questions. What are the five most important things in your life? What are the five things you spend the most time on? Are they the same? At least as much as our rational mind, our sense of beauty is what makes us uniquely human, and cultivating our sense of beauty is part of growing as a human being. Ethics and aesthetics go hand in hand. I return again to Rabbi Friedman's essay. Whatever we behold, in the natural world of flowers, mountains, and oceans, and in the human world of buildings, poetry, and morality, we who locate our spirituality entirely within the human mind may be all the more appreciative of that mind's power. Aware that beauty enriches our lives, evokes the most powerful emotions, and inspires the noblest ambitions aware that is that beauty causes the spirit to soar, we naturally wish to cultivate beauty and the appreciation of beauty in our lives and family and community. It is clear that your spirituality derives entirely from within you. It is clear that each of us imposes our notions of beauty upon mountains and upon men. That is our greatness. In poetry, we might say, Achi Adam, my people is humanity. Artsi Olam, my land is the world. Dati Yofi, my religion is beauty. This podcast was recorded and produced by Ken Burke on behalf of Rabbi Shalom and Kol Hadash in conjunction with Repatriation Studios. I'm Ken Burke, and thank you for listening.